they are friends in Christ. Some books are almost automatic bestsellers. The Bible has been a bestseller as long as I can remember. I was surprised a few years ago when I found out that there's another category of book that is a perennial bestseller, and that book is a cookbook. Bunch of recipes. <laughs> Seems like there's not a family around that doesn't want a recipe book. Something that tells you what ingredients to use, how to combine them, what kind of timing you need, how long it takes. But, you know, people want to eat well. And there's no sense having to rediscover the wheel. Somebody else also wanted to eat well. And they did that. And somebody kept a record of what they did. I remember my grandmother, she could bake bread like nobody I knew. The old wood stove, you know, where you put the wood in. And somebody said, Grandma, can you teach us how you make bread? And she said, I don't know how. Just watch me and you'll learn. <laughs> Her recipe was just something she learned. So, but recipes. And, and uh, recipes are popular because they hold on to us the hope that we're going to improve, that our life is going to be in a progressive step of getting better and bigger and happier and richer. And wow, how much more could you ask to have that kind of a, of a goal? We want to live. And we want life to contain the fullest amount of living that is possible in life. That's a good goal. What do you want? I want to live. How much do you want to live? Abundantly. Now, it's kind of surprising, or maybe not so surprising, that one of the things Jesus said about his mission, I am here that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Do you ever think of the Bible as being a cookbook? Maybe it doesn't teach us how to eat, but it teaches us how to live. And in learning how to live, we can learn how to live abundantly. Because God doesn't just create a life and walk away from it. God creates a life to be in community. We belong to the Creator, to the One who made us. We are God's children. And as children, God provides for us, and God protects us, and God gives us a place that we belong, a place that we can call home, a place where we are never alone. You are my children. You know, in the baptism when he said to Jesus, You are my son, the beloved. I am well pleased. And that's high praise. Wouldn't it be nice if he said that to us? Well, folks, I have good news. He does. As many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So in Christ, we have life. We have acceptance. We have favor and grace and love. Let's look at these lessons for today as kind of a recipe for life. 
One of the important things in reading a recipe and learning something is to realize that the moment you start, you are affirming a kind of act of humility. One that says, I don't know how to do this. I need to learn. That's a good attitude. And I would suggest that one of the attitudes we need, if we're going to celebrate life really richly and fully and completely, is to have the ongoing attitude that says, I don't have all the answers yet. I'm not that smart. Now, there's a time when everybody goes through life thinking to themselves, I know everything now. Well, I wish I could tell my parents how life really is. Anyway, we call that the age of rebellion or <laughs> anything's got to be better than this, you know. So we go for anything. But having an attitude that you need to learn, that there are things you can learn that come from somebody who knows more than you, who has more understanding, who is more powerful in this particular thing. And that's a never-ending thing. Uh, you know, no matter how old you get, how experienced you get, how wise and wonderful you become, there's always more that you can learn. And once you learn something, you learn that there is one way to look at it, but five years later you learn, well, there's not only an upside, there's a downside. And you'll learn a little bit more about the complexities of an event or a condition. I was talking to someone just before church how I'm getting awfully forgetful. Uh, bad news, you know. I, I forget what I wanted to say. I forget a word and all these kind of things. But the upside of it is this. You always have wonderful new experiences. <laughs> So you, you get a little perspective on this, and the thing broadens out a little bit, you know. So you don't want to get too discouraged about this. Just wait a while, and you'll see a little bit more of this. So, uh, But it's good, and, and an attitude. Uh, I had a professor once who used to teach us something about humility. You know how you like to ask a question of a professor that you think nobody in history has ever asked this question, you know? How about I stump him or her, you know? So you'd ask this professor some really deep, profound question that shows comprehension and understanding. And he'd say, did I hear you right? Did you ask this? And he'd take a little notebook he had in his pocket. You're only the 47th person who's asked this. That's... Oh, boy. <laughs> you are not the beginning and the end of life and living and understanding. Once you get the attitude that you know it all, you stop living or you stop growing in life. I hope that we don't get that way. I've found myself like that a few times. My mind is made up. I don't need to let you shut up and listen. I'll tell you. Those are dangerous words, folks. They're really dangerous. Not to them. But to you, you know? attitude, I need to learn more than I know right now. Yeah, we need that. You also need the proper ingredients. One of the things that I do, since I'm kind of obsessive compulsive, when I'm following a recipe, I get all the different ingredients. You know, if you have this and this and this, I line them all up on the cupboard. Because one of the things I've learned is, if I come to a critical moment in the preparation of this recipe and one of the critical elements is not there, I don't want to stop everything and run to the store and buy it. 
that's a bad news kind of an event. So uh, if I don't have it before I start, I get it before I start. There are also some things to remember that something is, some of the ingredients are really essential. With some of them, you've got a little wiggle room, you know. If it calls for celery and you don't want to use celery, you might be able to do something without it, you know. But say if you're making chicken noodle soup, you better have some chicken. That's, that's pretty basic. <laughs> and a noodle wouldn't be too bad either. So uh, what about life? Well, you know, God says his name is I Am. That's what he told Moses. Moses, when he said, go to Egypt and do this. Moses said, well, what's your name? Who should I say has sent me? You know, who's up at the top of the chain of command? Tell them, I am has sent you. In Hebrew, that's Yahweh. Jehovah. Yeah, I am. Well, if that's God's name, then anything that has existence has to originate from the I am. Yeah, the creator, the all-powerful, the one from whom all of life emanates, the one who is life itself. And what does God say? I am that I am. If you want something to grow, you need God just like you need chicken if you're making chicken noodle soup. If you want life, you have to have some life. And if you're going to have life, you need God, because that's where life is. But you also need other things. And we read in the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, some of the elements that were used at the original creation are also used at the creation of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ at his baptism. And later on, in the establishment of the creation of life in the church, we talk about the baptism of John, the baptism that was by, into Christ, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so you see that there are ingredients that are necessary for us to combine these in an effective way, this much of this and this much of that. Timing is important. How long does it have to be together and so forth? It's a recipe. So... What do we need? Well, we need God. We need the Word of God. God said, out comes the Word. Let there be light. You know, when we read our psalm for today, we talked about the Word going out, echoing like thunder, like lightning. The Word is powerful. The Word of command. When God commands light to come into being, Light comes into being. Yeah, you need God, you need the Word. One of the titles for Jesus is, Jesus is the Word made flesh. How about that? If we want God to speak over to us in God's Word, God has already done that. And what does God's Word made flesh tell us? God is with us. I am with you, always, even to the end of the ages. There's going to be times in your life, I'm sure, like there have been in my life, that knowing somebody is there is one of the most comforting and hopeful things there are. You may not find your way out of a problem, but you're not alone. Somebody's walking with you. Someone's watching over you. 
And sometimes that's enough. And that's what Jesus Christ is. We are, are baptized into Christ. The other thing that we see here is the work of the Holy Spirit. Some of the things that we want to have in life are gifts of God. We may not all have the same gifts of God, the same gifts of the Holy Spirit. At creation, it says, the Holy Spirit brooded over the face of the deep hovered. For some reason, I have grabbed onto this word and hang on for dear life. I like it, you know. I remember on the farm growing up, Grandma would send me out to catch, you know, pick up the fresh eggs. And you had hens on top of the eggs, and you had to shoo the hens away. They could really pick. I was kind of scared when I first did Grandma hollered out. But anyway, you also have hens that hide their eggs, because they don't want to give up their eggs. <laughs> They are the mothers of these eggs, and they want to protect these eggs, and they want these eggs to hatch. And how are you going to do that if you take the eggs away from them? So the mother hen protects those eggs, and she sits on top of those eggs. How long? I don't know. Long time. There is warmth. There is love. There is protection if that egg could talk. And mother hen is brooding over it. She loves it into living. How do we know God loves us? Because God's Holy Spirit comes with the word, and like a mother hen kind of broods over God saying, I love you. Is that just a word? Uh, it is a word. Is it more than a word? Yeah, it sure can be. When someone says, I love you, and somehow or another those words become alive inside of us, and we know we are loved. There is a power there. There is a power. It sometimes feels like your insides are blowing up like a balloon. You know, You're, what in the world is this? This is love. This is a spirit that is growing inside of you to know God, the almighty God, is creating me and making me grow. How long does it take for this? I don't know. I suppose with all of us, we have different rates of, of speed. You know, if, if you wonder how long it takes an oak tree to grow, you'll get one answer. If you ask how long does it take a weeping willow, you get another answer. One goes fast, the other one goes slow. They're all growing. So our uh, timing, uh, the ingredients there, the Holy Spirit is necessary in the uh, epistle lesson when people were asked, were you baptized with the Holy Spirit? Uh, they said we didn't even know there was such a thing as a Holy Spirit. So they were baptized into Christ. And like Christ at his baptism, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended and a voice said, This is my beloved Son. Even Christ needed the Holy Spirit in his human nature so that he could do the things he had to do. We are not going to make it or have life without the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God travels through the Word. The Word makes like, what is it about Holy Communion that makes it such a powerful thing? The Word. Now, the command of Jesus Christ, take, eat, imperative. This is my body given for the forgiveness of your sins. The command and the promise. This is more than just words. This is more than just action. 
This is an act of God saying, I love you. I want you to live in me, and I want my spirit to live in you. Welcome. So the process in which we do this is one that constantly and consistently involves the power and the presence of God. And the recipe simply is a way of saying, how do we open the door? You know, How do we get more about Christ? Probably God has different ways planned for each of us. There are some pretty common ways, but, you know, the wise men, they saw his star in the east, and they read what the star said, and they followed it, and they came to Jerusalem sometime within the next two years. It's a long time to travel, not really knowing for sure if you're going the right direction or not, or what you're going to find at the end of it. But they went there. It's kind of like wandering around in a dark room, wondering how to get out. And then you see a little bunch of light coming under a part of the wall. Oh, I'll bet that's a door. Yeah, I'll bet it is. (laughs) And you're in the darkness, and you go over there, and you walk through that door, and you walk right into the light. Let there be light. And when the wise men got to Bethlehem, where he was, they walked into the room, and there's a little toddler. What's so big deal about this? This is just another little baby boy. Not to them it wasn't, because the star was there, the light was there, and it guided them, and it said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Do you see the power and the presence and the love of God in a little toddler, in a little town in Bethlehem? Do you see the love of God in a small congregation of people? where you come to church and somebody greets you or shakes your hand. We don't always say it anymore, but we're saying it with our feet, folks. I love you. And each one of us is a word from God to each other, a word that says we're a part of each other because we're a part of Christ. And we are blood kin drawn together not by birth, but by the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Recipe for life in Christ, and we are the body of Christ. So what God does is to brood over us, in us, through us, warming us, loving us into life. We put ourselves in the way of that love when we hear the word of God. One of the things that I have discovered being retired now for quite a while, over 15 years now, <laughs> you know, when you're active in the ministry, you're so busy. You, you've got 60 hours, 80 hours a week, you're busy, and you've got to write a sermon, and you write the sermon, and you, uh, everything's too fast, you know. You hardly have time to think. When you're retired, that's about all you've got time for is thinking. <laughs> so, others call it meditation. And you know, the scriptures, after I stopped long enough to stop and think and listen, to let one or two words or one part of a verse come alive, it's really wonderful. God loves us. God says, you are my beloved children. Welcome. Uh, Listen to them. We are loved of God, and we are loved into living by the God who is life and wants us to live life. God's word is a lot, but look at it like a recipe. 
It is a way that points to life, that gives us a light that leads us to life. It may take five years, it may take 15 years, it may take five minutes. That's up to God, not up to me. And just like everything that is born into life has a different gestation period, how many spiritual gifts are growing inside of us. Anyway, Epiphany is a time to say thank you, God, for the light and to move out of dark rooms into the light where God can see us. Wonderful things happen in the light. Everything is out in the open. We see God more clearly. God sees us more clearly. We see each other more clearly, warts and all, and we know that we are loved as we are. May God help us to grow in this light. Amen.